Dripping with sweat and lying flat on his back in the emergency room bed, Richard made his last desperate efforts to suck in the air. One never seemed to appreciate the taste of the stuff until moments like this, as it lingered just beyond reach, taunting his tongue and lungs. Pain radiated from his ears throughout his chest to his back. It felt as if someone with a powerful grip had reached inside, grabbed a chunk of his organs, and started to squeeze and twist and rip. The year was 1991, and at 43 years old, Richard K. Harris knew he was dying. He looked up at his last vanguard of hope, the cardiologists, and a flurry of nurses around his bed. The room glowed with a sterile white light. If only he had arrived a few hours earlier and caught this massive heart attack before it became a crisis beyond modern medicine and its practitioners. He had been feeling crappy all day, with heartburn and shooting pains in an arm. Finally, he walked to a doctor's office on Don Gaspar Avenue in Santa Fe, New Mexico, a few doors from Mothering Magazine, where he worked as a production manager. He had always been a writer, but he also loved gadgets and had been the guy hired to ease everyone away from carbon paper and typewriters and into the world of computers. His magazine colleagues had spent the previous weekend helping him move out of his apartment, and it had been an all-hands event of hoisting, bending, and hauling. Aside from his chain-smoking, Richard figured he had been in pretty good shape until today. Even the doctor thought so. He had checked him and said, You're okay, then sent him on his way. Now, hours later in the emergency room, Richard knew he was definitely not okay. Medical staff shuffled around him and swapped words like heparin, which he would later find out was a blood thinner. His pain came from within. The pain, it was like nothing he could have ever imagined. He agonized. He writhed. And then, just like that, it was gone. The feelings of his chest crushing and the pinched nerves and the pulsating aches and the laboring for breath, they all simply stopped. It had never felt so good. In fact, he had no sense of his body whatsoever. He looked down and realized why. He wasn't in it. As he would say in an interview years later, Richard had zoomed into an upper corner of the hospital room and now he was hovering there. But his body was still on the hospital bed, with the same nurses and the same cardiologist encircling it. He had a clear view and noticed the needles jabbing into his skin and the tubes, but he couldn't sense them. He recognized his long forehead and angled chin, his head of thinning hair and his burly eyebrows spaced closely together on the sides of his sturdy nose. Yes, that was definitely his face and his boxy body, but it wasn't him. In life, he had often masked his unshakable feelings of dissatisfaction. He didn't always walk in step with society's expectations, and he found the reality of not fitting in depressing at times. Now, he looked down and realized his entire body had been a mask. He felt no connection to that body, and no need to get back inside and feel that excruciating pain. He heard one of the cardiologists say sarcastically to his still-warm corpse, you smoke cigarettes? Well, you just stopped. The EEG monitor had flatlined. Richard would later learn that his heart stopped. He was in cardiac arrest. 
His brainwaves ceased, but his consciousness, his soul, if you will, was now somewhere else entirely. He felt he was in a tunnel. A diorama of his life spread before him and tuned into peak vignettes. His memories were now felt life moments, fanned out in simultaneous motion, unmetered to time.